Folks, well, are we in for a treat or what? When you hear that music, you know it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. My name is Jim Reed. I'm going to be your host today, Bluff Storini in the home game. And uh, you can find all about find out about me and all the other members of the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew. Uh, but you could also just listen to Rob Washam because he's about to tell you right now where you can find him. I'm Rob Washam. You can find me as Ratman50, just about anywhere you look. And anywhere you look around Rec Poker, you're going to see lots of amazing stuff, mostly thanks to our sponsors, the website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. So thanks to them for making all this possible. And thanks to our premium members uh, who are chipping in 15 bucks a month to help us keep the lights on here. It's a great way to share your support. Uh, whether you're taking advantage in our learning materials or not, it makes a big difference to us. And we really do appreciate it. Uh, so folks like Roger Lamp, uh, Roger, who I play in the home games with all the time, a man Shamu, um, who's uh, been on a, a streak recently. I saw him in the winner's circle not too long ago. And uh, folks like Dan Wick. Uh, Dan's a, an active member in our strategy conversations. He's been a participant in the focus where he did some hand breaks down uh, himself with Flopzilla. And uh, yeah, another great premium member here. So Dan and Roger, uh, thank you both very much for your support. And for everyone else, uh, you can go to rec.poker slash support and find a way to keep uh, keep us going, whether it's uh, for free, just by liking or subscribing to a couple things or going to our Patreon page uh, or like some of these wonderful folks becoming uh, premium members here. Because that's what we're all about here at Rec Poker, sharing our love of poker and our learning of poker with every other amateur, recreational, thoughtful, serious, fun poker player that we can find. Uh, so thanks for tuning into the show. Kind of got us off the rails there a little bit here, but it's Monday night. Every Monday, we record an episode of the podcast. We're usually stealing each other's chips in the play money home game on Poker Stars. And uh, we're going to take a post from the Rec Poker forums and talk about it here on the air. So I always encourage our uh, listeners, go get a free account at rec.poker and read up in the forums yourself. It's perfectly free. All it takes is an email address and a smile. And you can see the images that people upload. People upload different solver outputs, hand history files, um, a lot more information than we'll be able to get into here on the show. Uh, but go and check that out. And we're also joined today by uh, John Crowell, who's an active premium member who's been uh, sitting in on a few of these podcast episodes, like all our premium members are welcome to do. Uh, so thanks for coming, uh, John, and sharing your two cents. You're welcome. So this is a spot uh, that our very own Rapman50 posted. And this is a spot that comes up, I think, uh, for a lot of players where we're holding, in this case, Rob's holding pocket eights, which is a pretty strong hand. Um, and we just see some action in front of us that makes us unsure about how to proceed. Um, so Rob, I'll run through the opener here. It looks like you're in the big blind with about 30 big blinds and, uh, most of the other players, uh, at the table cover you, um, a middle position player raises to 2.2. They get a call from the cutoff. The button raises to 7.5 and then the small blind calls and comes along as well. So we've got a pretty big pot already. Uh, assuming the open raiser and the caller call, it's going to go four-way plus you if you choose to get involved here. And holding eight-eight, it is kind of a it is kind of a hmm, what am I going to do moment 
And I'm sure you considered folding, calling, and raising because those are the big three. Why don't you just take <laughs> us through what 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 was going through your mind and when you decided to put this post out here? Well, it just it seems like these multi-player spots happen so often in the small ACR tournaments that I play. Yeah, you know, I'm playing usually around uh, anywhere from three dollar to you know ten dollar tournaments. So I'm playing these little uh, little ones with tons of players, tons of players. And then early on in the tournament, you see all kinds of really weird action going on mm-hmm. i mean some i don't know if you know players are thinking well i'm just going to see if i can double up or rebuy or what you know what's going on but you see a lot of really weird action and then even here where we've gone quite a bit deeper because you know you see some people that are in the 30 30 big blind level um so you know we're a little deeper in the tournament but we're still miles and miles away from the money and you see all of this type of action going on it's just um it confuses me <laughs> Whenever we go multi way, it just confuses me because you know you 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 get the big you know in online you're watching the table and the first thing you see is your cards pop up you go oh I got pocket eights yep <laughs> and you yep. start doing it you start get up from your chair and start doing <laughs> a jig because you're real happy because you got a, a real hand for a change it's not two seven it's not four nine it's not you know some crappy hand you got actually something that you feel you can play. And then this happens and you go, Oh man. So what are you going to do with that? Um, that's, we got some good responses in here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Tim Fritz uh, posted that he has run this spot in a lot of different Sims. And uh, he says we have um, once it's open, flatted and three bet our range massively shrinks. We're usually only going like Jack, Jack or queen, queen, um, to continue with, um, ace, 10 suited to ace, Jack suited and ace, King, ace, queen, offsuit. So a very tight range, basically, you know, not even nines and tens are hands that we should be folding here. Mm. So according to, uh, the Sims that Tim has run, uh, Jack's is probably the only hand you want to proceed with at this level. Yeah, and that puts us in a tricky spot for sure. Um, yeah, it's Tim Misclick Donkey Fritz, uh, another yeah. member of the Wrecking Crew. He's uh, he's a great member of the crew here. Um, and I guess, and is uh, when we're talking about that, this is as a call, I guess, because we're obviously, well, it, well these hands were probably shoving at all. Yeah, 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 at all. yeah. Whether right. you whether you call or you shove or because there's no three bet size or four bet size it's not a shove right so we're we're looking at either shoving or folding there is no raising here um so yeah um you know my first instinct is well I'm just going to shove it in mm-hmm. the problem is you know if if one person had raised. I may have done that. If one person had raised and another person have called, I may have done, I probably would have three bet. I probably would have three bet to, to eight because I think you can, you could probably three bet to eight without having to go all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one, one, when this kind of action happens, you don't have the option of three betting. You have to four bet, jam, or fold. And so um, I didn't put what I did here, but 
I did fold. I mean, it was a pretty automatic fold once it came to, came to me. It's just that I wonder what other people's thoughts were and where where is that where is that cusp hand that we can actually start uh, getting aggressive. Yeah, and yeah, take it, John. Well, when I'm on in these spots, one of the things I think that, that that is obvious to you as well, Rob, is that you might be in there against five people, and even though your pocket eights might be fifty percent against ace queen, or let's say fifty three percent against ace queen, you've got to divide that roughly by four <laughs> or five based on the number of people. So your equity is, is dramatically lower for each additional player that's in the hand. Right. Yeah. Great right. point. And it's not the kind, and we're shallow enough that we can't, uh, as Elvita points out here, um, we're not getting, we don't have a big enough stack size to get the odds to set mine with our pocket pair here because and eights are maybe too strong for that anyway, but I'm just trying to think about other factors that might be at play in a spot like this. When I get those middle pocket pairs, I'm usually inclined to play them as a call uh, in deeper stack situations because I like flopping sets because I'm not very good at poker and it's just easier when you flop sets. Trust me, poker is a lot easier to just <laughs> flop a bunch of sets. Um, but here, when you only have 30 big blinds, uh, it's just too big a portion of your stack to call. And especially being out of position is another factor that's going to make that uh, not a good decision. So mm-hmm. then it is, you know, Rob's hit the nail on the head here. I think it's a shove or a fold. And um, I think it's just, it's just too, too much action out there to feel really good about shoving, shoving those eights. I think I, I probably sigh, take a little time and then uh, pitch them into the muck uh, myself as well. And that is the consensus in the, uh, in the, in the forum here. So Elvita uh, mentions that point about the effective stack uh, not being deep enough to set mine. And uh, five by five, Chris says there's mostly a fold could get behind a jam. If we have the perfect storm of, of factors at play at the table. So we could talk about that a little bit. Like what would be the circumstances that would make us more inclined to jam this? And Rob, you already said right off the bat, just fewer players involved. Um, fewer players, yes. And then one of the things that, you know, John's, John mentioned is very, very accurate is that the more um, people that get involved in the hand, the more your odds are spread and your specific odds shrink. Um one thing that though that could be in it in your favor is based on that action, a lot of those people are sharing cards. Mm. So, you know, you could have you could have a couple of ace kings out there and an ace jack. Well, now the aces are pretty much taken care of. So um you might have a better better opportunity of of fading some of those big hands if if you you know with that much action. So even if just one of those people called, the other people fold. Well, they're folding out a lot of cards that might help this guy if he doesn't mm-hmm. have a pocket pair bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of an interesting take that we don't really talk about too much of, of the, you know, um, taking each other's outs. But in general, though, yeah, I uh, there's no way I'm going to proceed with pocket eights here. Yeah, and that's that's a great point, Rob, about uh, sharing each other's outs like that and counter counter kind of counterfeiting each other. Um, 
because and that and that does kind of skew us towards um preferring to have a big pocket pair in spots like this as opposed to the two overcards whereas in some cases you might even prefer to have uh, ace king or something in a spot mm-hmm. john did you have uh, something there no i was just wondering about the um the the, the buttons range here yeah with that three three bet and assuming as rob said if we were in this hand with less players would we proceed if it was just the original open and the and the three bet from the button uh, because obviously the the three bet from the button could be a lot lighter than someplace else um and and whether you know technically a pair is is a favorite to an ace king or an ace queen or an ace jack um and they would certainly have plenty of those in their range um would we be calling this if it were just the uh, other two players in the hand i think if if um let's just say it as long as we have we have an open and we have a call and then we have the button three betting so the button is in a perfect squeeze situation which means that his range now is is a lot wider uh because because he's in that squeeze spot you know the the opener has to have a really strong hand to call or to go over the top of a three bet and the person that just called the original open can't have that big of a hand otherwise he would have three bet so you've got that you got that squeeze going on that that button could be taken advantage of the problem is the small blind called. Right. It's like, oh man. Now, if the small blind hadn't called, I might take that initiative and just go ahead and jam this. Yep. Expecting the first two players to fold and be up against that squeezing range of the button. I love that. That's what I was thinking too. I mean, the it's gotta look super strong to the original razor to get called and then three bet and then have this cold four bet come out of the blinds like that. Um, oh, a cold three bet uh, call. Oh, I meant in, in the, in the world where they didn't call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you yeah, are the taking three that. Bet, the three bet did a cold, uh, the, the small blind cold three bet, a cold, cold call. Three bet. Yes. A three bet. Yeah. And that's just, that's stronger than that's very strong. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. And let's just take a look at how many big blinds were they coming off. Um, at that one, the small blind had 37 big blinds. So they should yeah. not be calling seven big blinds off 37 uh, very wide. If I had to guess, I'm putting them on like nines through jacks, uh, maybe like ace jack suited or something very particular like that, that they felt like they couldn't fold but didn't want to um, four bet with. And that's the that's the player that alarms me that that should be such a super narrow range that that has us has us beat pretty yeah, bad. But if you if you think look at chris's uh response you know i put the stats of the players mm. that were at the table so the small blind i had 64 hands on them and they were at 21 percent with zero raises oh. pre-flop raises and zero three bets so they're v-pipping 20 one 21 zero right 21 zero 21 zero zero so it's like they're very passive but the fact that they're cold calling a three bet 
um, means that 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 still has to be a, a that still has to be a very strong range. Does it though? Let's okay. So last week on the show, it was the three of us, and we were talking about leveling opponents, right? So this is a spot where if we think that this player is a savvy player, then that calling range in the small blind should be tens, jacks, and like yeah, a very narrow, strong range. But if this is a less savvy player, maybe they just like calling. Like maybe they just they don't understand the 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 what has happened here, how how strong the action is to get the open, the call, the three bet. They're just like, well, I've got seven, eight suited. Maybe I'll hit a straight or a flush. Um, if we had more information about this player, that might be the TSN turning point for me that made me decide that it was time to shove because this is the player that I think has, uh, I guess, other than the under the gun or other than the original razor, they haven't really capped their range yet. The original razor is uncapped. Yeah. So um, they could definitely have a strong hand, but by jamming here, um, we're probably going to go against one of those initial three. Yeah. And depending on how passive the small blind is with their, they might just call with any old garbage that they might be calling with anyway. Right. They're not, they're not prone to be <laughs> raising. So, you know, it might almost, you might almost be able to get away with it in this spot because you're putting the ultimate squeeze on four players now. Because mm-hmm. it does present as very, very strong. It does present yes. as very, very yep. strong. So yeah, I think that's that small blind player that's calling. That's the one that really, I think, sort of. If we knew more about them, that might that might help us understand if there was another play to make here. Um, but I think I'm finding the muck. I'm finding the muck as played as well. And so, is there as played? Uh, do we like Tim misclick donkey's assumption? If would we get it in with jacks here? Um, Ace queen. What's let's let's say that we cannot call. And I don't think we can call really. No, um, no. I mean, we're, we're not. It's 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 allowed. No one's going to arrest us. But right. I I don't think it's. I don't think we should consider it. Um, so if if we are playing shove or fold, what do you guys feel like personally speaking? What's the worst hand you're going to shove here? The worst pair and the worst unpaired hand? Because I think we're all shoving kings. We're all shoving aces. I mean, we're probably all shoving ace king. Mm-hmm. So then. Where do we find that point where we're no longer feeling perfectly comfortable, but we still think it's like we're still going to get it in there? What do you think, Rob? I might, I might go with jacks, queens, and ace queen suited, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then aces, kings, and ace king, obviously. Um, so jacks and queens, I might, I might go for here. I mean, again, we're miles away from the um, right from the bubble, miles away from the from the bubble. Um, we're in this chip accumulation phase. We need to be accumulating chips. And uh, so this might be the the stand we take if we have one of those premium hands. Mm-hmm. What about you, John? Uh, how, 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 what are you going to be comfortable getting in here? I'm comfortable getting queens in. Um, I'm probably getting jacks in 50% of the time, depending mm-hmm. on just whatever read I have on people. Um, Ace King, I'm I'm obviously suited. I'm I'm also uncomfortable with Ace King off, but I'm probably getting it in. 
Um, but I don't think I'm going any lower than that. And then as we get closer to the bubble, we might make different decisions. And if we had different chip stacks or if the other players in the hand had different chip stacks, you know, we might, might pip up or down on a couple of spots like that. But, uh, I think that's, a, I think that's a, a good consensus. Um, and we just don't have enough information about the players to really get, uh, to get too frisky. Well, looks it's like- interesting. It's interesting that, um, MP one is the initial razor and they had 30 big blinds. Yep. The cutoff had 36, the button had 51 and a small blind had 36. So now we are putting a lot of pressure on some 30 big blind stacks mm-hmm. because we can do a lot of damage to them mm-hmm. if they called us. So, you know, this, <laughs> this might, this might've, uh, this might've been a spot that I should have taken. I don't ta- know. Talking yourself back I'm into the show here. Into <laughs> well, when I look at some, I will say when I look at these stats, the buttons running uh, 25. So his VPIP is 25. His PFR is 14. His three bet is nine. So 9% is a pretty robust three bet range. We've got 103 hands on him. So it's still a pretty small sample size. Mm-hmm. But if he is three betting 9%, then he's squeezing even wider than that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, in the in position, like he's going to be, that would that would indicate to me that he's probably going to feel he or she's going to feel a little wider there as well, a little more comfortable. <laughs> so maybe that button three bet isn't as strong as we've been thinking it might be out of the textbook. And then that's such an amazing stat on the small blind player twenty one zero. You just don't yeah. see that in the wild yeah. very often. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and it's and it's sixty four hands. Sixty four so hands. Yeah, it's, it's not small. I mean, it's right. not a small. I mean, it really doesn't. You know, overall, it's probably not that significant. But in the context of this this poker tournament that we're in, it's pretty significant because ACR has this habit of moving people around all the right. time. Right. And it's like you go all in on one hand. The next hand, you're move. They're moving you to a different table. So it's it's hard to get stats on term in tournaments um very much. So the fact that I have 64 hands on this person means I've been at the table with him for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Jones is so smart. So he's he's got this note in the bottom of his forum mm-hmm. post here. It says, if I knew the button was three betting too wide and the small blind was passively calling too much, then I could get behind a jam. Because now we're mostly against the wide opening and flatting ranges from MP1 and the cutoff. Um, we might actually get this through in that case. And when we don't, we may not be in that rough of shape. Uh, but I don't think we have enough data or quite enough of these extremes to go for it. So I like a fold. I think that's that's probably right. Probably Chris. right. That's why I'm he's the director the, of membership content. Yep. And I'm an old nit, so I fold <laughs> That's why but he's I'm, playing. That's why he's playing in the venom, and we're not. That's that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing six dollar tournaments, and he's playing in the venom. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, well, that's a good conversation because um, you know when we first looked at this hand, we thought, oh, okay, you know, relatively trivial fold. Um, but I love talking about poker with you guys because we just find all these different factors to consider. We get find a few rabbit holes to go down, and all of a sudden it's like turns out poker is a little more complicated than we thought. Uh, 
Saints preserve us, man. I mean, how are we ever supposed to answer a simple question ever again? It's always, <laughs> it always depends, doesn't it? Oh, well. Just just say, uh, Rob, just say that you uh, you fold and shove um, according to a mixed strategy. Yeah. And you just never need to reveal the details of the mixed strategy. That's that's my new go-to. I'm like, oh, I'm perfectly mixed in this spot. And I just uh, make the right decision every time. Yeah, that's the best way. That's the best way. <laughs> All I right. don't have GTO solvers for multi-way pots yet. So true. True. So you have to really you have to really look at um your opponents and and especially online, you're looking mainly at their stats and any notes that you may have taken on right. them uh from previous actions. So on, and it, you know, it'd be a lot easier in a live tournament. Right. In a live tournament, I would look at this and I would be folding so fast. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going to take that at all. So you're saying just because the players live, they're not as tricky. Like they're they're going to be more honest about their race. They're going to be more straightforward. Yes. Yeah. Gonna, most of the time, they're going to be more straightforward. When you're talking small stakes, daily tournaments at the casino, a lot of the players are going to be very straightforward. Yep. Now you get into the higher level ones, you know, say 200 or more buy-ins, maybe the $500 buy-ins, you're going to get some uh, more studied players that are capable of doing some of these things. But um, yeah, but for the general population of a small stakes tournament, like $60, $70 daily tournament at a casino, yeah, I would um, I would be folding this really, really fast because they're not doing this unless they got the goods. Right. And this is just like we were talking about last week with John, right? This is where that balance would be helpful on their part because mm-hmm. we're sitting here saying, oh, well, they always have a strong hand here. I can exploitatively fold my pocket eights um, and not even have to worry about it. I don't even, I'm going to sleep perfectly well tonight. I'm not going to wonder um, because this player is not sophisticated enough to have a balanced range here. So, you know, we, we exploit them. Mm-hmm. We exploit them by folding to their strength. And yep. uh, that's a key. That's a key play. Um, I thought you were going to say, Rob, that if you're playing this live, you might be able to size up the player and get a sense of, you know, what level are they on or where are they in their range? Because I think that could also because th- this is very much a player dependent spot, which is like, can we make better assumptions about this player? Because if we can exclude some really strong hands from their range, I think it does change how this plays. Well, the thing is, um, it's four players. Right. So you got four players involved in the hand. Now, when you're sitting at a at a nine-player table in a small stakes on a uh, live casino, there are not going to be four players that are going to be playing standard GTO or you know <laughs> right. balancing a range or saying, "Well, I could I could three bet wider here because I'm squeezing." You know, there's not going to be that many players that are going to be able to go to that level. Like we were talking last week, be at that level. Right. So, you know, that one or two of these players are looking at their two cards and saying, I'm going to play. Yep. Good so, point. Yep. And they didn't drive all that way just to fold. Exactly. They didn't drive all that way to, to go out right away either to drive home. <laughs> they want to play for a while. So. That's awesome. They're not going to get involved awesome. unless they got some real cards. Yep. Yeah. So danger, danger, Will Robinson. 
All right. Well, I think that's a really good conversation. Um, so thank you to uh, Rob Washam. Thank you to John Crowell. And of course, uh, Miss Click Donkey, Elvita, and 5x5 for their excellent forum uh, posts. And Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website M, and you, the listeners.